Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right, Seth. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. And welcome to episode 94. 94! So we have some sad news that we have to break to the listeners. This is it. This is the last episode. (laughs) We will never make it to 100. (laughs) Anyway, so our episode that comes after this episode would be 95, if you knew how to count sequentially. And 95 would also be an iteration of 10. And if you have been paying attention since episode 25, we've had a guest on every 10 episodes. 25, 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85. And unfortunately, we are going to have to break our combination. You'll still get an episode next Sunday. You just won't have a guest. Maybe we'll have a guest some other day. Maybe we'll just be random with our guests. Who knows? We have some guests lined up. It's just scheduling right now yeah so, so I, as everyone know new knows uh, at the time of this recording i am not yet married but by the time you hear this recording i will have been married for a little while so i was busy getting married and having a honeymoon and zach was busy being my best man as brothers often do and zachary also moved so he was busy yeah. i was busy we were all busy so we weren't able to really set up a guest between this episode and next episode i'll have a different zip code that's true see look at that you will still have our wonderful personalities on next episode so don't worry we'll still be here we don't know what it's on about but anyway that's that's what we've got so let's get into it zach i went first last time so why don't you go first this time what have you been recently been playing yeah so recently i've been playing spider-man and venom maximum carnage for the super nintendo i like it your notes so as if you're a listener and you're a new listener we write notes before the episode which help us ground us in reality or facts that we have collected. And Zachary wrote that his recently played games was Spider-Man and Venom, Maximum Carnage, but he pushed the man and and together. So when I looked at it, it looked <laughs> <Spider-Man>. like <laughs> Spider-Manard and Venom. Uh, yeah, I've been playing Spider-Man and Venom maximum carnage which is a beat-em-up game that has been released on a couple different systems it was on the sega genesis it was on the super nintendo both versions have a really cool red cartridge which makes it uh a unique looking game that's for sure but yeah it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up from 1994 and you can play as either spider-man or venom or both because it's two players so if you do two players one player is spider-man and the second player is venom so that's fun you fight a lot of bad guys uh it's a beat-em-up game so you just pretty much walk from point a to point b and you beat them up them being mostly thugs but also there are um, some bosses such as shriek doppelganger demogoblin and carrion and of course carnage the of the maximum carnage fame this game is based on the comic book story arc of the same name which is actually i think released around that time period it was in the 90s i know at least but the maximum carnage story features cletus cassidy who is a criminal who gets infected with the same symbiote virus that eddie brock has venom and it turns him into carnage who is like venom but way evil and way worse because venom at least has some morals and carnage will yeah you to shreds yeah i think that's because eddie brock is actually a decent guy or has decent aspects of himself 
and Cletus Cassidy is a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and Carnage puts together a team of kind of villains who who kind of like almost worship him a bit. Like Shriek is almost in love with him. It's very strange. Uh, her power is she yells really loudly and it hurts people. Anyway, the game you you side scrolling beat em up, you punch people. Uh, something I did like about the game that's different than a lot of side scrolling beat em ups is um, when you encounter an enemy, even a generic enemy, their health bar shows up, which is that does happen in other beat em up games. But each generic enemy has a different name, so you're, right. it's like you're beating up one guy and his name's like Kyle, and then it's like Bert. It's fantastic. It kind of makes it seem like Spider Man is just like brutalizing these like randos. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like everybody's a boss some just have more health it's yeah, it's pretty good i think i prefer the other spider-man game that it's on the Sega Genesis, mostly because it's a bit more like Spider-Man-y. Like you could swing around and stuff in that one. You can't really do that too much in this one. I mean, there's some like combinations you can pull off, which make you feel a bit more acrobatic. But side-scrolling beat-em-ups are definitely locked in a specific view. And that's not necessarily a downside. Uh, the game's still fun, but uh, I, I just personally prefer Spider-Man a little more explory, I guess you could say. However, if you're looking for a red SNES cartridge, I recommend you get maximum carnage over doom yes between the two super nintendo red cartridge versions of the games maximum carnage is a better game and i believe it's actually cheaper to get it is yeah it's actually a bit more common so like at the local game store i go to which uh, i mean it's not necessarily a, a, a sign of all game stores but most local game stores that i've been to will usually put maximum carnage on the shelf that you can easily grab it uh doom is usually behind the glass case usually it's not like super expensive but it will still be behind the glass case which usually means it's a little more expensive than the games that are just on the shelf that you can pull off but it's a very nice looking cartridge i actually really like the red cartridge vibe there's another Spider-Man game that had a red cartridge. The Spider-Man game on the N64 also had a red cartridge. Also a very nice game. Maximum Carnage, fun stuff. Seth, what have you been playing? I have recently been playing a game called 12 Minutes, which is by uh, Luis Antonio, and it was published by Annapurna Interactive, and they also published Outer Wild Journey and What Remains of Edith Finch, all of which are fun games that are very Seth-like games. And looking through the games that Annapurna published. I'm probably going to have to pick up a couple more. Though 12 Minutes is a new interactive thriller, which just came out on August 19th, where you play a man and you act out 12 minutes of his life. Time loop. Yeah, it's an interesting game and I don't want to spoil it. It's a set in today's day and age. And you're, you come home and you live in an apartment with your wife and uh, you go in and you have 12 minutes before an event occurs. And if something happens to you, the loop resets. Or if you get to the 12 minute mark, the loop resets. So what's fun about it is there's no like saving because every game is, it's in a loop. So for anyone who's thinking about picking it up, I would recommend understanding that the game does take place in like a room and you will spend a lot of time in that room and you will never get out of that room just as an fyi so if you think that if you think playing the same situation over and over again is going to be boring after a little while maybe don't pick this game up or get it on a discount because right now it's msrp at 24.99 but if you're looking for kind of like a cool thriller game that keeps a interesting story flowing through with some phenomenal voice work done by james mcavoy daisy ridley 
and Willem Dafoe, then check it out. That's exciting. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun game. I will have to check it out because I, I like James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, and Willem Dafoe. All three of those people are in movies that I enjoy watching. Anyway, today we're talking about a game that Seth and I have good memories of. Uh, it was a game that we had uh, back when we were children. Uh, and that game is, well, technically two games, is Desert Strike and Jungle Strike. Right. Part of the Strike series, if you the would. Strike series, which we talked about many, many moons ago, back in episode seven, which which aired on the podcast network January 19th of 2020, Whew. which is a while ago. We did an episode called Sega. And in that episode, we talked about the Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive. So if you're interested in listening to episodes about Sega Genesis and Mega Drive, you can go back to that episode. It's, um, I mean, it's early content. It's after episode three or four, so it's actually okay in regards yeah, to... Yeah, audio, audio-wise is pretty good. Um, I think Seth yeah. and I were not quite into our form yet. That might be an episode due for a redux. We might do a redux of it. I also was on my old mic. Not Oh, I was actually, I think I was on my old, old mic. I think it was before mm, I got my yes. second. Yeah. Uh, so f- for any of those who are interested in Behind the Curtain, Seth is on his third mic and Zach is on his second mic yes so we have gone through multiple mics so that's a little uh tidbit of knowledge that now is stored permanently in your brain but in that episode we talk about jungle strike and desert strike mostly because we in that episode we're talking about the sega genesis and we reminisce about games that we've played on the sega genesis of which were the jungle strike games and i think we mentioned at least by name the different strike games so there was desert strike jungle strike urban strike soviet strike nuclear strike and those are the strike games and they all play very similarly Though this episode in particular is going to be about Desert Strike and Jungle Strike. Maybe we'll do an episode about Urban Strike and Soviet Strike and then Nuclear Strike. Maybe, but we'll see. We'll this these episodes are fine we, we're familiar with these games at least yeah well the, the reason being is as seth kind of alluded to these are the games that we played so urban strike i mean i own but i didn't grow up with it i grew up with desert strike and jungle strike specifically grew up with jungle strike because yeah but you know what? sequels first but you have to know like desert strike and jungle strike were successful games but they get less successful as the games go on and it's thus true. they become prime classic gaming brother material because we love unsuccessful games. Now, at least in terms of my memories of the game, I, I I remember mostly things about Jungle Strike. I remember the first and last missions were set in DC. Uh, I definitely didn't cheat to get to the last mission. I totally cheated to get to the last mission. It's a hard game. I remember the briefing scene at the very beginning had the shot of an island with monkeys. And then someone nukes the island, and I always felt really bad for the monkeys, and it was really sad. And then it cuts to a guy who looked like Saddam Hussein. Yeah, and standing he's the bad next guy. to standing next to like Pablo Escobar. Yeah, but those that's that's my memories. I, I just remember them flying around as a helicopter. Yeah, I remember Desert Strike and Jungle Strike. Uh, we played. I played a lot more of Jungle Strike, and then I played. I think I beat desert strike as well jungle strike was cooler and had a better story and had a better like flow to it i also really liked picking your co-pilot in jungle strike because in jungle strike they all look like they're posing for top gear and in desert strike it's just like id cards so it's cooler Um, i remember most of the missions there's a mission where you have to like steal a raft and you have to drive a raft around, and then it's you... A, it's a hoverboat, because you can yeah, take it Yeah, you get a hoverboat, and you take it on yeah. land. Yeah, that's got, like, a machine gun on it. Yeah, there's a hoverboat, and then there's a, a stealth bomber. There's You can fly oh, around yeah. in the... And cool. it's, like, the jungle and the Inca areas, because I think that's where Carlos Ortega is, who is the 
Pablo Escobar individual. So yeah, it is fun. The the graphics are very very 90s uh, animation. We did learn while we were doing research for this episode there was an MS DOS version that had live action. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Which it's a digitized full motion video that it does the cutscenes instead of having the animated cartoon animations. And it's like it's not like a cartoon like whimsical cartoon. It's like a it's a serious like comic cartoon um in the genesis in the snes version the fmv is so like it's so bad the ms dos version actually had uh, an extended level too to it which yeah. is, is just fun now in this game desert strike specifically was released on like every there was a game boy version there was a amiga version there was an ms dos version there was a sega genesis version there was an snes version there was all these different versions throughout because it wasn't we will get to it but it was a very successful game so it wasn't just on the genesis the game that zachary and i are most familiar with was the genesis version but this is talking about the desert strike game entirety the gameplay though iterates very similarly from system to system uh they all have the same type of gameplay which we'll talk about later on. But before we get to the gameplay, we're going to talk about the history of the Strike games, starting with Desert Strike. Now, Desert Strike was created by a team headed by Mike Posen, and in 1980, Mike worked as a software developer for Electronic Arts. Mike left EA and obtained a publishing deal with a company called Video Deluxe. And from there, he soon found some success with software, where he started to develop an interest in flight simulators. On a trip one year, Mike ran into EA president Trip Hawkins. Now, Trip had been interested in developing a game for the Sega Genesis and wanted Mike to be the one to develop it. Trip had in mind a remake of the game Choplifter, which was a popular title on Apple II and was the game that was sent as a consolation prize to Jordan Mechner, who created Prince of Persia as a fun consolation. So Choplifter was a fun game. EA president Trip, he liked the idea of a flying helicopter and rescuing people. Like, that's just a fun game mechanic and we should have games like that. So the game went into development with the initial concept involving smoothly animated vehicles on an isometric playing field. There would also be a plan to have a cinematic story sequence in line with The Revenge of Shinobi, which was a popular game for the Genesis at the time. Interestingly enough, despite that some of the story may imply some connection, the game was developed before there was any American involvement in Iraq because the story is very similar to what happened. So the story actually was originally based on the Lebanese Civil War. The tentative title was Beirut Breakout. During development of the story, they shifted location to the Persian Gulf, um, so it would no longer be about necessarily the Lebanese Civil War. Around the time they were working on the story and putting in this change, Operation Desert Shield commenced, and the American involvement in Iraq began, uh, which triggered the beginning of the Gulf War in 1991. So the game itself was designed to have a non-linear gameplay mechanic. Uh, You can take on side missions to complete the main objective, or you could kind of like just charge ahead and do what you needed to do. Uh, And this sandbox style was called Snafu by the developers. Uh, Snafu is a military slang, and it means situation normal, all 
up. They also intended a point system in the game where you could be punished if you destroyed objects that resulted in negative economic or political results. So if you destroyed something like an important governmental building, you would lose points. Or if you destroyed something like a fuel depot you weren't supposed to, you would lose points. This was ultimately omitted. You still get punished. You don't necessarily get punished, but you can fail the mission if you destroy something like and cause too much civilian casualties, but the, you don't get like docked points. It just tells you you failed the mission. The design of the vehicle themselves were based on matchbox toys that Posen had played with as a child. He wanted the game's sprites to resemble these toys. To do this, he contacted his friend Tim Calvin, who was a dentist and not a game developer, but Calvin was familiar with 3D modeling. For so teeth. Brought, yeah, because Calvin was a dentist. Calvin was brought in, and he would render out the 3D models based on the Matchbox toys on a computer and then reduce them in size. And he would do this for every model. And the way he would actually make them into sprites facing certain angles was he would just rotate the 3D model to the angle they needed it in and use the, like, render that one and out. Re-render rotate it, again, render, yeah. re-render re-render it was a very tiresome process tim calvin dds went through and actually during like midway point of this process was like i'm just gonna do pixel art myself so he started making like pixel art that was not based on the 3d models for these helicopters and the design team was like no 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 the 3d models are much better and he was like okay and he had to continue i really hope that he did this in his off hours in his dentist gear like i hope, I hope that he, he did showed it on his on hours in his dentist gear <laughs> like i hope that he showed up in like his dentist outfit and was like and like i'm just picturing like a very stereotypical looking dentist showing up and being like i'm here to model some helicopter planes hey doc you gotta get back to this root canal hold on a second i'm just finishing with this manifold after this process the sprites would then be converted into pixel sprites and once they just were rendered down to the right size so he would rotate them render them shrink them and then turn them into pixels and then they were sprites and they were able to be loaded into the game and be used outside of the background art which is what separates the sprite from the background now to go over the story of desert strike this story begins when an alleged general in a far-off nation How's takes an alleged general because he called him he's calling himself a general oh i get it okay so it, it, he's allegedly alleged... a general <laughs> okay okay <laughs> because allegedly he did it so he's he's allegedly a general as in he self-appointed himself as general oh, i get it okay okay and he's in a far-off nation that happens to be in the gulf region now this quote-unquote general is named kilbaba also known as mubaba in the snes release now kilbaba decides that he is now not only the general he's also in charge of this country he is the dictator of the nation well i'm guessing he called himself as the leader of the nation since generally dictators don't openly admit that they're dictators but that's what kilbaba became kilbaba follows through all the standard global despot tropes with his desire to get a lot of military weapons including facilities that could build nuclear bombs so at this point in time in the story the u.s decides it's time for some freedom but instead of engaging in a long war with kilbaba they just send you a helicopter pilot don't worry you're not alone on this four-part mission they send along with you a co-pilot so you have the option of choosing one of the five available co-pilots Though in the beginning, there's only four because one is missing in action and you have to uh, rescue him in order to use him. And your choices, these are some some 
interesting people that you can choose. Your first one is Lieutenant Xavier Thomas, also known as the X-Man. He's not a great shot, but he's really, really good with the winch. In the game, you need to rescue people with the winch, and you also need to get supplies with the winch. So the better your co-pilot is with the winch, the quicker you are at getting things. And X-Man is really good with the winch. The next co-pilot is Lieutenant Chris Tamari. And that's Chris with a K because it's a lady. Her call sign is Aussie. She's an all-around decent co-pilot in regards to her skills with shooting and winching. And her nerves have been hardened by years of championship horse riding in Australia. So, so far we've got a guy who's not really good at shooting. And we got a girl who... Was a horseback rider. Yeah, so I don't want to, like, degrade horseback riders, but I feel like horseback riding and armed conflict are two very different things. And especially since you're you're going up against this entire country by yourself with a helicopter. But don't worry, if those two aren't your cup of tea, there's always Lieutenant Dave Eric, also known as Mr. D for his call sign. Now, Mr. D is fearless. However, sometimes in the heat of battle, he loses control of his body and shoots wildly or jams up the winch. So your choices so far are a guy who's not really good at shooting, someone who's pretty good with everything, but all around pretty average, or a guy who's pretty good with everything, but occasionally just shoots everything. Finally, for those who you can play with in the beginning, there is Lieutenant Keith Michaels, who's also known as Tracker. He's a son of a congressman who was raised on a ranch and knows how to shoot. And they should have just called him Texas because that should have been his that should have been his call sign because that's the kind of guy he is. And because he's the son of a congressman, some people wonder if he even cares about the the everyman and all of those regular grunts. So yeah, those are your your four beginning ones. You can Throughout the game, you can rescue Lieutenant Carlos Valdez, who's also, his call sign is Jake. So you have to rescue him, but he's awesome at gunning and winching, so you should get Lieutenant Carlos Valdez. He also has a secret ability where he knows all the best places for R&R. That's a great ability. I think I used to always choose X-Man because I thought of X-Men. Yeah, well, his name's also Xavier. That's a good name, right? Yeah. yeah. He's also psychic. That's great. Those are all great co-pilots. So you and your co-pilot, who you can actually change every mission, which is pretty cool, have to tackle four intense missions. The first mission, called Air Superior Superiority involves rescuing an American spy who has been discovered but knows information about Kilbaba's plan while also just causing general havoc and destroying supply lines and support facilities. I remember this mission. So you have to like specifically, like the main mission is to find this guy, but then it's also like bomb this airfield. <laughs> so you go bomb the airfield. The next mission is called Scudbuster. Uh, Scudbuster involves finding and destroying a chemical weapons factory and of course, scud launchers hence scud busting you'll have to also rescue americans because they need rescue also i don't know why i keep getting weird memories about this game i always thought the americans were tourists <laughs> sometimes they are they're sometimes american non they are yeah they are american non-combatants okay yeah i think they show up more in jungle strike in the third mission called embassy city you have to rescue un inspectors and while there destroy a biological weapon along with bio warheads and swing by and rescue more hostages in the final mission nuclear storm you have to stop the enemy from destroying oil production facilities and <laughs> destroy parts of a nuclear weapons plant and a nuclear plant and then finally you fight kilbaba who tries to escape in a bomber plane. Throughout this game, not only are you destroying things like chemical weapons plants and assorted other things like supply lines, but so one thing that you have to keep in mind is that you 
do have a limited supply of ammo and you have a limited supply of fuel. So you have to pick up uh, oil barrels, which I don't know why, but I always thought it was kind of funny that like you just pick up like four oil barrels and you just automatically load them into your helicopter and you're like, I'm good. Don't even need to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Then you also pick up uh, ammunition and stuff from the ground and you also pick up some other things. Sometimes you need to pick up like I think Intel or like like something from like if you destroy yeah, it tells like a gi- isn't it until like a gigantic briefcase <laughs> yeah it's like a massive briefcase that you have to pick up and it's break like, somewhere ah uh, yes because it's all to scale so like the people who get on the helicopter are small but the intel you need a winch to pick up like a crate it's like a crate of so it's like ah yes my gigantic briefcase that i left behind stuff full of documents the game was released in march of 1992 and it did incredibly well we don't have the exact numbers but it remained a top 10 bestseller for months after it was released. It was also considered EA's best-selling game ever at the time. And with all that success comes the game that we owned first, the sequel. Because we always own the sequels before the prequels. I guess the original ones. But they're all prequels to us because we own the sequels. The first follow-up was Jungle Strike, the sequel to Desert Strike. That's the title! <laughs> That's the title. It's the best tagline. I like how um, in Desert Strike, you're returning to the Gulf. Right? Because it's D- Desert Strike returned to the Gulf. Which implies that there was a first trip. In the follow-up, Jungle Strike, the sequel to Desert Strike, began development shortly after the release of the first game. Because the, six- the first game was very successful. The game retained its core mechanics flying a helicopter around collecting resources uh, so we did talk about this in the in in the beginning part but you had two options to shoot things you had a chain machine gun that had a lot of bullets but didn't do so well against heavily armored targets and then you had missiles which you did not have a lot of but did very good at blowing up things like tanks you also have two types uh, of missiles so you have yes you had your... the big missile and the little yep. missiles the big missile does really well against armored things but you have even less of those than the little missiles. The little missiles you can shoot a lot of, but there's not as many of as the machine gun, which is only really good at killing people. And your enemies you're going to be fighting are people on the ground, and they'll have various weapons. They'll either have like machine guns or they'll have missile launchers, which will be bad. Then you'll be fighting jeeps with mounted machine guns or tanks. Uh, you can also fight different types of tanks. There's trucks that unload people. There is other helicopters. And I think there's sometimes various other military vehicles. Now, Jungle Strike, the sequel to Desert Strike, it had more more settings and new vehicles and was eventually released in 1993. And the story of Jungle Strike takes place with Ibn Kilbaba, who is the child of Kilbaba. And he teams up with Carlos Ortega, who is an infamous South American drug lord, a.k.a. Abelesco. The game opens with them detonating a nuclear warhead on a human empty island and talking about striking Washington, D.C., both for different reasons. Kilbaba wants revenge for the death of his father, and Carlos Ortega wants to send the USA a message to say, stay out of my drug trade. And nothing says a message like <laughs> staying out of my drug trade than a nuclear bomb on the, the capital of one of the largest and most powerful nations. Once again, the U.S. musters all of its forces and tasks a lone helicopter pilot to repel these two villains that start off with the first mission repelling a terrorist attack on Washington, D.C., which includes the high priority of protecting all of the Washington monuments and the president's motorcade. But don't worry, you're not alone. They mustered the forces this time, and you get a different list of people to have a co-pilot with. Because, yes, in all these games, you are flying a helicopter and are the sole defense 
against an, a terrorist invasion to Washington, D.C., where they, like, you have to protect, like, the Lincoln Monument and all that stuff. You get five different co-pilots. However, this time around, only two are available from the start. And the rest are all missing in action, and you have to find them. They all also, in this in Jungle Strike, they all lost their lieutenant position. So I don't know if that's just because it's assumed, or because maybe you're just hiring. Maybe like they're not A-team a commissioned officer. Yeah, maybe it's just an A-team situation. And the, the first co-pilot you can hire is Mike Sierra, a.k.a. Mr. 3 D. He's a fresh recruit out of the academy who's very skilled with the winch, but is a very bad shot. Scott Antonio, also known as Ego, is all-around average with everything. His entire life revolves around being average with the winch and the being, a, being an average gunner. He also, according to his bio, doesn't sleep, which may explain why he's just average, because he's very tired. The first person that's missing in action that you can find is Grant Foster, also known as the Face Man. See, it's, it is like the A-Team. Face Man is uh, missing in action and needs to be rescued, but when you do find him, he is a skilled gunner and a winch operator. He thinks that every mission is a game since he was recruited in a video arcade. For the lady of the group, there's Rosalind D, also known as the Annihilator, another missing in action co-pilot that needs to be rescued. She's good at all co-piloting things, though her aim is a bit shaky, which, yeah, I guess you can be just a little off, though she is a tough cookie overall. Finally, you could get J.W. Fennell, a.k.a. Wild Bill. This is the last co-pilot that you find who's missing in action, and he says that he is the best in the bunch and learns the rules to just break them. He's a great shot and a great winch operator, and I love him. Wild Bill is usually my go-to up until... I usually, I think I take 3D because I just... I, ego is just weird. Yeah, I take 3D, then I get Wild I just try and find Wild Bill, and I pick the other two up and use them when I find them i imagine mr 3d wearing 3d glasses when he's piloting things i hope he's wearing 3d glasses when he's piloting things i really hope that they're no longer members of the government and they're just like random the game plays over nine missions except for the ms dos version which has a tenth mission the missions similar to desert strike involve blowing things up rescuing people and managing your resources and in, in jungle strike you're able to change out of your helicopter sometimes in some levels pretty, yeah, yeah, some, yeah which yeah. is pretty exciting your helicopter lands and you get out and you run to the other thing and you get in and then you get to pilot the other craft the final mission of jungle strike brings you back to dc as you hunt down both kilbaba and ortega as they escape custody and try to get away spoiler alert if you beat this level they don't and that's the final mission for the regular game yes the mission that is only in the dos version is unique since you have to hunt down the rest of carlos ortega's forces who are being led by a russian defector by the name of toski uh, who has a bunch of oil tankers and wants to destroy the ecosystem so you have to go to the north and fight him in the snow. I've never played that mission, but I think it's kind of interesting that all of a sudden the 10th mission, you're like Captain Planet. Like in all the other previous missions, these were terrorists. And then if Captain Planet had a heavily armed Apache, which right. would have made Captain Planet's job a lot easier. If Captain Planet had a heavily armed Apache, he would have been able to solve a lot of problems very quickly. <laughs> 
Now, Jungle Strike was released on a variety of consoles. It started just like Desert Strike. Jungle Strike specifically started life on the Sega Genesis, but it was ported to the SNES, the MS-DOS, the Amiga, the Amiga CD32, the Game Gear, the Game Boy, and the PlayStation Portable. The game was praised upon release, with the Genesis version scoring the best of the different versions and being a bestseller for three months in the year that it was released. The MS-DOS version at one point was released with a CD-ROM enhanced copy that did have full motion video, and it is peak FMV with acting that is very 1990s FMV. Highly recommend looking it up. I want to describe a brief scene in the FMV video, which you should keep an eye out for in the Jungle Strike one. It's the main character being woken up by the news of the report of the nuclear explosion off the coast of South America. He's supposed to be lying in bed, and he's definitely standing. You could tell that he's standing in front of a green screen, and the green screen is the pillow. So they didn't even film him in a real bed. It's so I bad. I like that. There's probably better FMV in Silent Steel than there was in uh, oh, there's Jungle Strike. There's definitely better FMV in Silent Steel. There was some minor criticism of the game from European magazines as it did have a very pro-American military vibe to it. So, uh, as we mentioned, we're not really going to go too in-depth on the, the later games, but we did want to mention them at least in, in some bit of detail. So, following the release of Jungle Strike came another sequel called Urban Strike, the sequel to Jungle Strike, which I love. Because I want to pretend in my mind that the full name is Urban Strike, the sequel to Jungle Strike, the sequel to Desert Strike, Return to the Gulf. (laughs) That is the full name. Urban Strike was released on the Sega Genesis in 1994, the Super Nintendo and the Game Gear in 1995, and the Game Boy in 1996. The game follows pretty much the same mechanics as the other two games. However, there is actually a new level where you can run around outside of your helicopter completely and shoot things. Like you're inside of a building, like running around shooting things. Urban Strike has been called the weakest of the series, despite this cool new level, and uh, generally has pretty mixed reviews. Uh, One magazine, Mega, even said that EA has taken the genre as far as it can go. You know who didn't listen to that? EA. (laughs) Because they released a sequel to Urban Strike. The sequel to Urban Strike came out in 1996 for the PlayStation and was called Soviet Strike. It also featured 3D graphics, a new overhead perspective, and full motion video sequences. Soviet Strike actually performed decently, with mostly positive reviews from the magazines at the time. I don't think it was called Soviet Strike, the sequel to Urban Strike. It wasn't! It makes me so sad. In our canon, Soviet Strike is the sequel to Urban Strike. The last game to come out in the series was Nuclear Strike, which was the sequel to Soviet Strike, which was the sequel to Urban Strike, which was the sequel to Jungle Strike, which was the sequel to Desert Strike, Return to the Gulf, which came out nuclear strike came out in 1997 this game not only came out on the playstation but it also came out on the nintendo 64 where it was called nuclear strike 64 there are was also a new mechanic that was introduced in Nuclear Strike 64, very similar to a real-time strategy game where you could actually command ground troops. So on the fifth iteration of a serious situation going on in the United States, you finally get troops in Nuclear Strike. The game also received mixed reviews. GameSpot did call it as about as good as it gets, which <laughs> seems like a mediocre review. But wait, EA made a game called Future Cop. LAPD, which by the box art kind of looks like a ripoff of Mech Warrior. Future Cop LAPD 
did start off as a strike game, but ultimately did not become a strike game. That ended up being released in 1998 on the PS1, the Mac OS, and Windows. So there was a world where there could have been Future Strike. That probably would have been the name. That would have been such a good name. Yeah, I feel like if they made like a time traveling, like if you played Journeyman from a helicopter. Journeyman, but he has an Apache. Well, with that, that's it. That's Jungle that's, Strike. That's, 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 that's our Desert, desert Strike. Strike games. We might come back to talk a little bit more about Urban Strike and Soviet Strike because those games are just fun. But uh, with that, we're going to get to our byway pass. And since you went first last time, Zach, I'm going to go first. So there's a company out there called Games Incubator. They are working on games such as Ship, Ship Graveyard Simulator, Police Shootout, and what you play as a police officer and car detailing simulator they're bringing us animal shelter simulator where you save your four-legged friends and you have the opportunity to tackle tasks such as running a refuge for stray and rescue animals Uh, the demo is actually out right now and it's fun it's a simulator type game so there's a lot of like do this task do this game mechanic okay now you can do this now you can do this where you like interact with 3d images of like certain things things it's a it's a type of game that can be fun but ultimately i really have to be in a mood to play them i'm probably gonna put down animal shelter simulator as a pass i will have her show it to my fiance who is now my wife to look at it so that she can see the cute animals that you can take care of because she likes animals so there's that zach what are you excited about buying waiting or passing on the game i'm excited about buying waiting or passing on is called Evil West. Evil West is due out at some point in 2021. That's what they say. Who knows? Um, And it's being developed by Flying Wild Hog and published by Focus Home Interactive. It's a Western game um, where you fight demons and vampires as a pretty cool looking cowboy who has a really cool looking gauntlet that shoots lightning it looks pretty cool at least from the the trailer i saw which didn't really show much gameplay but it you know looks fun uh it's also supposed to be co-op so maybe my brother and i can play it together Ooh, wouldn't that be Ooh, fun Seth, if we maybe. played uh, evil west anyway i'll say wait i have a lot of games that i want right now and I don't know when this is coming out or how much it's going to sell for, um, which usually price doesn't always necessarily mean I'm not going to buy something. But I do have a couple other games that I like know when they're coming out that I'm already trying to like set aside some stuff for. So uh, I'll probably put this one down as a wait and uh, we'll see what it looks like when it when it's out. Nice. So here we are at the end of our show. And at this point in the time of the show, I, we generally tell you guys how you can listen to us, contact us and support us. So if you're listening to us, congratulations, you're already doing so and you can continue to listen to us the way that you have been listening to us you may also go and search for us in the aether and onto various different podcasting applications and download us there you can also go to our website and listen to us in our lounge and our website is classicgamingbrothers.com on our website if you listen to an episode and then immediately want to send us a message you can go over to our contact us and fill out the form if you don't wish to fill out a form and you live in the modern day you can also email us at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com you can also email us to any many of the iterations at the classic gaming brothers such as seth at classicgamingbrothers.com zach at classicgamingbrothers.com or classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com however classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com works just fine uh you can also follow us on all of our social medias so we're on facebook instagram twitch twitter our facebook instagram and twitch are all classic gaming brothers and our twitter is cg brothers pod where we announce whenever every episode is 
released, which is Sunday, just in case you're wondering. So that's how you can listen to us. That's also how you can contact us. Now, finally, how do you support us? Well, first of all, you're doing that already by listening to us. We appreciate the listen. We appreciate the follow. We appreciate the like and thumbs ups and all that. Now, you can also support us by giving us a review wherever our thing is listed on iTunes. Give us a review there and uh, rate us and write up something about how much you love Classic Gaming Brothers because that helps drive more people to listen to the show too. So now we're here, episode 94, six episodes away from 100, and I think I got everything out there. Zach? Oh, yes. Okay. Let me think about this one. I need to remember this one. Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. And we have been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. Right. Nice. Right. <laughs>